lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but I've got to offer you the discount again. In case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock, we have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's Aces. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code Aces and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. All right, do we have a big show for you today? Let's get stuck into it. Well, welcome back, everybody. Tommy Talks podcast, joined by some royalty again. Last time we had this man on the podcast, we spoke a bit about business. Uh, that was the Aces in Business podcast. We've kind of turfed that now, Wispy, because um, everyone wants the entertainment and the sport angle. But welcome back to the pod. Uh, Joe Watson in the house. Nice to see you, Tommy. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, NFL back. I feel like we start to all just reconnect. It's yes. a kind of... Kind of go quiet for six months, don't we? And then we all just, now we're all lunatics. The start of the <laughs> NFL, the finals footy for the AFL, it's all happening. I've got a question here about your alarm. I just had a random uh, discussion with someone the other night. What is your alarm in the morning? My children. It is, I was thinking <laughs> that. So you don't even set one. I don't need to set one. There nah. you go. Uh, I've got uh, I got three kids. Um, so normally it's 6, 6 a.m. alarm is off and yep. that's someone shouting at me. For a bottle or <laughs> something else. Is that else? kind of good knowing that, you know, when you go to bed, you don't have to worry about your alarm because the kids will just wake you up? Or? Yeah, it, it's nice. Like I've got, um, I've got, so my uh, almost five-year-old, almost three-year-old, they share a bedroom and uh, the, the they sort of wake up in the middle of the night and she's having, you know, like she has a bad dream or something like that. And so I go in there and sleep on the floor in their room. So it's actually it's actually nice as a parent. You wake up and you hear them talking about you know with each other about what they're going to do that day and all sorts of things. So uh, one day they won't want to be anywhere near them. Nah. So I might as well make the most of yeah, it. Now. Yeah, you make the most of it until they get to that age. How are you going with it all? Three kids. Yeah, it's good, mate. It's busy. Um, we sort of uh, the youngest turned one a couple months ago. So that's a you know, for any parent, they'll tell you that that first birthday is a bit of a milestone. So you start to get some regularity. We're lucky with um, with sleeping. So you start to feel a little bit like you, you're normal again when, when you're starting to sleep well. And uh, they just grow up so quickly, you know. So we, we, we've got them all close together, but we're very fortunate that, um, you know, they're all happy and healthy. And yeah. Uh, we send the eldest off to school next year, so it, it oh, moves very quickly. Are those little milestones like really exciting? Like, they are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. It, it, your life and your perspective of life changes completely when you become a parent. So um, you just really uh, – you love – um, you know, seeing them come back from kinder and their days and you ask them what they'd been doing and all those little things that you take for granted, you, you get to relive through them and, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a, it brings a lot of joy. What's something that, like, has made you laugh recently when they've come home from school and told you something? Like, just give us a little bit of an insight where you've just gone, that's, that's very funny. Um, well, they're just uh, – uh, Juniper's, you know, it's like she comes home singing songs and things like that that she's been learning at school and – um, and so she, she just breaks out into dancing and 
songs out of nowhere, which is nice to see. And then uh, our middle one, he's um, he's starting to get bored being at home, you know. So he they every day they ask me what they're doing that day. You're like, what are we doing? What activity have we got? Oh, oh <laughs> these kids are already yeah. spoiled. <laughs> the expectations are too yeah. high, but yeah. uh, no, they're they're great. They're, you know, it's a it's a lot of fun. Oh, brilliant, mate! No, I love hearing that. I remember last time we caught up for a coffee, you were still you I were struggling. Probably, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, the my, first time I've seen under the eyes. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen weakness. <laughs> I didn't think there was any weakness with his bloke. It tests you like no, nothing else. A <laughs> um, few other ones before we get into it. I'm always keen to hear about um, just little things like yourself and um, other people that, you know, so wise. Any podcasts or any books that you're reading at the moment that you're, uh, you're into? What are you doing with the, your spare time? Um, look, I, I love I, – I, I listen to um, two podcasts every week. Um, one is the GM Shuffle Um it talks about uh, the NFL, which I, you know, we love, and um, and it's a guy called Michael Lombardi who was an ex GM, ex um, a scout at the Raiders, and then a GM of the Cleveland Browns, and talks about, he talks about um, you know his learnings through the the NFL, and then he. he Talks about the weekly happenings of through the eyes of a GM, you know. So, what what you hear about is a lot of um, the the news and things like that, and commentary and talking heads about the NFL. But you don't really get to hear about what it's like in a position of an executive. And so, I, I really enjoy listening to that. And and he's a really entertaining um, podcaster, and and I find it great because I love the NFL. So um, that's something I listen to every week. Yeah, nice. Um, and then there's another group that uh, a, a friend of mine put me onto um, called the All In Pod. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Tom Brady. No, this is no. Um, four guys from um, Silicon Valley who are sort of in venture capital, and um, they are uh, really, really insightful, um, and I really enjoy listening to to it because it's um, it, it sort of cuts through, I guess, a lot of the noise that you hear in the media world, ah. and they're very um, intelligent. They, they've been interviewing the presidential candidates from both sides recently, so they had Chris Christie on, uh, they had uh, uh, Kennedy, they had uh, Vivek on, and you get to hear these guys being um, interviewed. They're asking real questions and not just, um, you know, questions that uh, are, I guess, um, scripted. Um, they, they, they're they sort of drilling down to what the real problems are, what are you going to do about it. Um, and I, I love politics, um, but, you know, you see how um, – dysfunctional it's become, particularly in America and, and here in Australia as well, as there's no difference. But um, they, they're they able to ask the real pointed questions, get to the the answers, and, and then they've got a huge amount of wealth and knowledge in, in startups in the VC world. Um, so really, really interesting podcast. That sounds really cool. I have to check that one out. So what was it called? All it's in. called the All In Pod, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So a bit of NFL and a bit of business as yeah. well and politics. So yeah, that's, that's right up everyone's alley, I'd imagine. Um, how is business going, mate? Last time we were here, we were talking about a few of your businesses. Can you give us an update on all of them? Yeah, look, the, the property market has been tough. Um, you know, it's been uh, with the with the way in which the rates have risen and the, the economy started to slow. Um, it's meant that uh, you know the volume of properties transacting has, has gone down as as um, serviceability has become tougher for people. Um, and and that's low, lack of supply has meant that there's um, there has been a buildup of demand, but the, the demand is probably softer than what it would typically be, um, maybe 30% softer. Um, but that's probably been um, supported by a lack of supply as well. So, um, you know, we talked to 
a lot of commentary about um, a lot of loans rolling over from fixed to variable from, say, 2.5% to 7 6.5%, and, and the, the, the forcing of um, liquidation by people um, probably hasn't manifested itself yet. Um, a lot of, lot of investors having to sell um, properties um, just because of serviceability and the costs. And I understand that, you know, rents are very high and, and but that hasn't, um, that hasn't been supported by the cost of borrowing money. So whilst rents have gone up, the, the cost of, of owning property has gone up more so, so that a lot of investors are having to sell. Um, which is uh, not nice for people who has, who have sought for sellers um, or selling at a loss. So uh, some difficulty in, in in the housing market, and and I think that you know you'd love to be able to say that we're at the end of a um, the rate cycle. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Um, I think that you know inflation it hasn't just dissipated completely. Um, and whether or not it will, I don't necessarily believe that it will. I think that we might be in an environment of higher rates for a longer period of time. So that will put a, a more pressure on oh, the economy. A lot of economy. people listening not liking yeah. that. <laughs> well, how long period of time? How long is that, you reckon? Um, well, I, I don't know that there'd be – personally, I, I don't think that um, you want to be cutting rates until probably 2025. Mm-hmm. 2026, and why maybe. Is that, you well, I just think in, in, in the 1970s, they, they thought that they'd got rid of inflation. And so they started to ease and they didn't actually stamp inflation out at all. Um, still a very hot jobs market, um, traditionally very high. Um, and I think that the, the balance or the, the cash rate of two to three percent is probably something that, um, isn't going to be the case anymore. I think that that's that's going to move to a higher rate. So 4% might be the neutral rate moving forward. And um, and it might be that with the, with this really hot sort of jobs market that we have, that uh, we're not in a position to start lowering or cutting rates back um, in the short term. So I, I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of trepidation about starting to cut too soon because of history says that you want to stamp inflation out completely, and um, in, in in a jobs market where it's so low, um, it's uh, probably a warning sign to to not start easing rates too soon. Yeah, well said. Great, uh, great for everyone out there listening. Get a little bit of education on the market. What about the stock market? Are you heavily involved in the stock market? Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you pause. I was like, I've asked a shit question here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it's down? Is it down a little bit? Are you, are you, are you, do you get nervous about the stock market? There's a lot of, you read a lot of articles and it's never, like you said, that's what I need to listen to that podcast because they, yeah. it's real and they ask real questions and it's probably um, not that jargon we read every day that's going to get you the clicks to the website and the articles. Stock market, are we, you know, are we in a little bit of a tough time right now? Should we be nervous or no, we'll be fine? Well, I think that it probably feels like it's a little bit frothy, the the, the market overall. Um, and it, it will be, you know, whether or not they, they can sort of stamp out inflation. The market is expecting that inflation is sort of behind us now and, and because it is always looking forward. Um, it, it's sort of saying, okay, well, uh, you know, like that's something in the review mirror. And now if that doesn't sort of dissipate 
in the future, then the market could correct itself pretty quickly. Um, I think Australia is in a great position. Um, you know, we, we rode a huge economic boom in China with um, iron ore, and that facilitated a huge amount of economic growth here. I think we're in, uh, you know, a great position to ride the next green metals um, uh, ride, and that will be something you know that that Australia might end up supplying. You know, fifty percent of the world's lithium. Um, you know, we're low sovereign risk. Um, we're pro market, pro uh, capital markets. Um, you've seen a lot of M and A activity in in Western Australia, particularly in the lithium space, um, because I think that there's uh, you know people are trying to shore up supply in the future as the world sort of starts to turn more green and. Um, I think Australia might be able to position itself, or should position itself, uh, in, in to to ride that that EV transition, that that wave of green metals, um, as we did in the iron ore. But I think that China is going to be the one that's going to be buying, you know, um, huge amounts of iron ore from us. But the rest of the world and China might be wanting to buy our lithium. What about copper? Because uh, the big fella you're looking at is invested heavily into uh, <laughs> copper. <laughs> well, I think copper is part of that. Copper, nickel, and uh, you know lithium. Those green um, metals that are, you know, there, there is a short supply of of them all. Um, commodities are harder to find than what they were, they're, and they're more. It's more expensive to find them. So um, when you when you find a company or um, companies that are able to to make it economical, um, they will be able to you know ride this wave. Yeah, no, I love it. Love everything you're saying there. It's uh, you're talking from your hip pocket. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> hip pocket's loaded in that area, North <laughs> Queensland. We let to talk about stocks for on. How's that work? Like, of course you are. Yeah, well, yeah. superior resources. SVQ. There's a lot of uh, a lot of our mates and family are on, and it's because of things like that. We think yeah. there's a bit of a shortage and. Um, and copper and nickel, they do it all uh, at this um, okay. in this stock that we've heavily loaded. But it's a bit flat at the moment. It's been, it's been a yo-yo. Stock, the stock is, market yeah. is a yo-yo, yeah. and it's a wave of results. And you know, you get the assays, and you know, oh, and then it's good, and it's a great announcement. And the stock price goes down, and then your group chats going, "What's going on here?" And yeah. um, so, SBQ is the one that we're all loaded up on. Okay. Um, I'll have to show you that one after this. And it's literally what you're talking about. So. Um, that's why when you were talking, I don't know, I was trying not to laugh. I was sitting there going, <laughs> he's telling me everything I want to hear right now. Uh, the boys listening that have loaded up on SPQ will be loving this because um, I've always mentioned that uh, we'll bring it up on the podcast and hopefully we get a little hit. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. But well, no. this, this hat is actually a company in Western Australia. Oh, there you go. Wildcat Resources. And yeah. lithium would be, are they doing lithium? And it's pumping at the moment, lithium. It is, yeah. So how is the pocket with that with Wildcat? Well, um, well, hopefully it's going to be successful. <laughs> we should just sit here and pump up our stock. <laughs> <laughs> Wait and see. Yeah, it's good. It is good fun. Love it, mate. Love it. Let's. Um, I'm really keen to get into footy. We didn't really talk much footy last time, and mm. oh, geez, I got a, I got a few abusive messages. I think oh, when did you? when uh, when you and Maisie were on, we did the NFL podcast, yeah. and someone I can't remember who it was. We keep it positive here, but it's, what a disgrace getting two blokes like this on and talking NFL. <laughs> 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 I said, come on, mate, we're doing an NFL show. But it did remind me we should talk a bit, bit of footy. Um, who do you support? Uh, well, I don't really support anyone. You know, like I've got a – I guess I've got an emotional connection to Essendon, but I don't have uh, – I don't sit there and barrack for any teams. Um, I just watch the games. Yeah, it's yeah. like that, isn't it? It is when you um, – you know, one of the things that uh, – I went back and did some coaching at my old school this year. 
and um, you forget what footy means to a 16, 17-year-old. When you play it and it becomes your job, you forget what that feeling's like. So it was great to be able to reconnect with kids who are playing the game just because they love the game and the purity of it um, because once you're into this, the AFL system and, um, you know, I stayed at one club but you, you went to a few clubs, like it becomes more of a job for you. And so when you're out of it, um, you don't look so look back at it as like you you want your friends and people you know to do well and you support them but it's not something that you're like oh god I've got to go to every game and watch at least for me that's not how I feel yeah it is a bit like that I mean I've probably got a more of a connection to Giants being the past club and um I guess the we keep in touch as much but yeah you're right it's a bit it's a bit weird Mm. Um, when you're talking like, I know NFL, you're a Raiders man and you're you're like, you know, you would go everywhere because that's like a genuine passion. But, um, I've always wanted to ask that because even I grew up barracking for Essendon and everyone always asked me, who do you go for? And I go, well, I like, you know, I love just supporting the teams I played for and the boys that I'm really close with. And I grew up barracking for Essendon, but to be honest, every bloke that I used to barrack for, they become mates or they're no longer in the system. And then then it's just a completely different outfit, you know? And it's, um... Yeah, no, I was interested. Well, let's while I'm on Essendon, because it's not like, you know, you're talking if I'm talking I'm a fringe player, I played nine seasons and it was seven at, you know, the Freo and two at the Giants, where you were like, you know, your club legend, your captain, you've done so much for the for the Essendon footy club. Um how do you go watching the Dons when you every year, I mean, you see all the articles and all the noise, um, and it's, you know, obviously I think this year they definitely took a step forward personally, but how do you go watching them and then seeing sometimes the same stuff? Yeah, I guess uh, there's there's some frustration um, for for it as a as someone who's been there at the club. Um, I thought that they took a step forward as well. I thought thought that they really um, there was some real improvement. There was a system that they, they were playing. I think that they um, they got exposed um, by their lack of depth. Um, they got exposed with their um, a profile of their list um, in the end, and that was probably a good thing, um, as difficult as it was to watch them be like they were in the last few rounds. I think it, it gave them a dose of reality about where they actually were. Um, uh, I think that they they probably, um, you know, Brad is going to have uh, a time to build and he should, and and if the club isn't going to allow him, you know, like a three to five year period, then they they're sort of wasting everyone's time in in terms of being in the competition because they just they're not understanding how the competition works. Now, as an Essendon um, supporter and and a um, person who's heavily involved in the club, I think that the the disappointing thing for the for the Essendon Football Club and the supporters is the team was sort of loaded to be really competitive and. Um, and give us a chance sort of between 2012 and 2016, really. That was when our list profile was right. We had a really strong, you know, group of players. We had talent, but we also had the right demographic as well. Unfortunately, we were then put in a – we were in a situation where it didn't allow us to have that sort of success and the circumstances meant that we lost players who were really good players um, who – had we kept that group together and had it been unencumbered, we probably would have been a team that, you know, had um, multiple years of playing in the finals or being competitive. And then maybe it wouldn't have been a 20, it wouldn't be a 20 year 
drought between the last time the club had been successful and then this time the supporters mm. wouldn't be so thirsty and hungry because they they'd had that period and um I just feel like the the balance of where the the list is at this now is it's still you know it's two 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 or three years away um uh, and that's the reality of where they're at um they they in hindsight maybe they went maybe they thought that they were closer than what they were in 20 sort of 18 and they made decisions based off that um and it hasn't worked out now that's the job of the people at the club you know they make those calls that's what they're employed to do um, when it doesn't work out, you know, like they end up bearing the consequences for it. But that's where I think that they're at. Well said. What's the what's the list need to look like? You said it's two years away from what you think is going to be sustained yeah. success. You know, that patch of three, four years of just being competitive and yeah. having a red-hot crack like you see Brisbane at the moment, you know, like they've been around for ages and I personally think that it's their year. Um, what does the list need? And And you know, with that two-year period, are you saying it's just going to be another couple of years of draft picks and another couple of years of draft picks with maybe a few trades and here and there? What is it? Yeah, I, I would say that you would need um, probably six guys who are about who have played between 150 and 250 games in your team, um, and then you'd, you'd want 12 to 14 between 75 and 150, and then your last uh, four or four to six is probably zero to 75. Your youth. That's your right. Energy yeah. and spark. Yeah. And those guys need to have played. That that You want those 12 to 12 guys who are in the team every week have to have, have played 80% of their time with each other. So they've built the that continuity yep. and that chemistry. Um, and that's the reality of how a list demographic should look when you go out to play. Uh, that's, in my view, how it should be. You should have six guys who have played between an you know, 150 and 250 games in your team, mm-hmm. and then the bulk of it should be between that 75 and 150, and then there should be, you know, only five or six that are played under that. You're a very wise man and someone that even, I, you know, you know that I looked up to you when I was younger pl- playing footy. A lot, of, a lot of people have. Have you ever been approached to go back to the Essendon Footy Club and coach and, and mentor these kids or do anything in the football club? No, I haven't. Um and which, I probably—I don't want to cut you off. But that staggers me that they haven't invited you back. Well, I've been pretty clear, I think, to them that I'm not interested okay. at this point. Yeah, um, and that's that's um, that's sort of something that's been that's come from me towards them. Yeah, so. and that's just because you need a spell. You want to, yeah. you know, build your life, doing what you're doing now, um, and then when the time comes. There might be as little spark, and you'll go. Yep, I'm ready. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think that I wanted to be out of the system for a while. I'd been there for you know 17 years. Um, it had been uh, an enjoyable but exhaustive period, and um, I needed to you know move away and do something else. Um, and part of that's been starting a family, and and so that takes up you know that's priority number one. So um, I I can't and haven't been able to afford the time to, to to go back into that industry and haven't really had the inclination. Yeah. And then, you know, you're saying you're coaching, you're, you know, you're back where you, where you started. Yep. Um, does that give you a bit of spark to get back into it? Oh, it's really, I've really enjoyed um, going back to the school um, and being involved with kids at that, that age um, and that, that love of footy. And, and I think um, that's probably been um, a really enjoying 
um, uh, environment to be a part of. And you do get you, you do get a reminder of what it's like, you know, what the purity of the game is and the joy that people can have for it. And so that there, there is a spark there from that sense. Um, but it's probably I don't think it's something that is, uh, I guess, wanted pushed me to or jolted me to to want to jump back into the AFL. Yeah, yeah. No, well said. It's um, it's a big jump. Yeah. Uh, you see it. Uh, I always say, and no disrespect to head coaches, but you, you start to worry about their their mental health when you start to watch them over a period of time, because especially when they're losing, it just looks like looks like they can go, they can look miserable sometimes, and it looks like a very high stress job. So. When you got a young family, it'd be a fair commitment juggling both. And as you know, you're just trying to get some sleep at the moment. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think what uh, I think what um, you know, speaking to people who are involved at uh, Collingwood, for example, that um, you know the the environment hopefully will change for coaches and assistant coaches and and, and people in football departments because it should. It, it's not sustainable to just exhaust people um, that way and for them to be living like that. And I don't think it's it's healthy for them. So I think uh, I. Was, you know, speaking to Hayden Skipworth from Collingwood, and he said, "Look, the the, the work life balance as a Collingwood assistant coach is the best I've ever had in the league, um, and that should be something that is celebrated by the rest of the the, the competition." Um, and I think that you know, coaches they took really um, you know, big pay cuts in in the COVID period out of necessity, um, but they they probably knee and they they weren't afforded that balance either they were asked to do more for less yeah, a lot of people in the, in the industry were and that was the time but i think that um you know to to be able to grow the game and have the game flourish you want to be able to reward those people um and uh, be able to provide them with a really good work life balance so that you know they've got you know really stable family lives they, they and they're feeling fulfilled in that aspect of their lives um, and, and then they can come to work and, and be the best version of themselves as well. Um, so I, I think that uh, hopefully the the competition moves more in, in, in that direction. Yeah, well said. The pies are doing everything right, aren't they? Like from the outside looking in, Fly is just the, the king. Mm. Like you just, When you're winning, you're, uh, everything, <laughs> everything looks good. But you hear good. about how they, you know, just even – I never watch press conferences. Yeah, if he's on Friday night footy or Saturday night footy and I'm watching, I'll watch his press conference. I really yep. enjoy his mindset, what he says. He's, he looks like real, mm. you know. There's no, oh, I'm going to win a press conference, I'm going to tell everyone what they want to hear. It's just, yep. he is who he is. I don't know, I just feel like, and then you speak to the players, players will tell you. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, what you see is what you get. Yeah. You know? And yep. you're like, outstanding. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a coach, it's a bit of a teaching background as well, which is um, fascinating. Back to the 16-year-old kids that you're coaching. What are the one? What are what are the? Um, this is a question I want to ask because a lot of listeners and viewers watching right now might be um, might be parents or they might be you know might might have um, kids or uh, sorry they might be young kids uh, growing up. What are the main things you want to teach 15, 16 year olds in your opinion when you're coaching? What what's some things that you're very uh, you know your game plan, Wispy's game plan when you go to the game, you rock up, your non negotiables. Yeah, I, I'm trying to to teach them about like a you know, like a culture and, and values. Um, so uh, that, that's been the real emphasis, um, you know, by really wanting to highlight the fundamentals of the game and what they look like and and, and be really, um, really good at those. Uh, I don't think it's, it's worthwhile teaching people, overloading people with tactics and things like that, especially at that age. I don't know that you're necessarily helping them. But what I'm trying to do is, is teach them about, 
you know, the importance of, of what values will do for a collective, but then what you can then do with them once football is no longer there or if it's something else that you're going into. Um, and so that's been the real emphasis of the, the, the year is about, okay, what are the values that you guys want to be um, known for? Um, and then how do, how do we keep measuring ourselves against those things and why are those things important? Um, and so that was really the philosophy of the year is be um, teaching fundamentals and have that intertwined with a strong core value group. Do you mind sharing or is that a secret? Uh, it's probably just uh, just for the, the school, but it's something that like we would – I said to the to the school is that anyone who's part of the football program, whether they're in year six, year seven, year eight, year nine, year ten, they should be able to be able, they should be having the same values, so that those kids who start in year six, by the time they get to year twelve, they're very much um, embedded in in the the, the culture of the football. Um, and those things will then, because those values will transition into it, everyday life for them. So if they're able to to recognize um, and and have those, then they'll, they'll build a really strong cultural uh, element to the the program, but they'll also be able to be take those with them and and help them once they leave the school. When you have new leaders, they come in, they set values, and it's a, it's a trademark, as yeah. we would call it. So is this something that you've brought to the program, or is this something that's already been there and you've kind of Yeah, no, I think that they had them, but we wanted to, them to be – the 2023 and moving forward. So we wanted to establish what ours were um, and let's continue with them. Yeah, nice. Well said. Well, speaking about leadership, um, you've done it at one of the, you know, at the highest level in sport. Um, so I just wanted to talk about leadership. Who is someone that's that's mentored you? Who's someone that you go to for advice? Um, well, I guess, you know, strong, always uh, family, something that is, um, you know, for me is always being able to lean on and, and have, um, you know, the, them as sounding boards, um, you know, strong friendship groups um, that I can go to with people um, and, and ask questions. Um, they're probably my two um, areas that I that I speak to most of. Nice. What about your old man? I'm keen to chat to you about your old man. I don't think I've ever asked you, um, even just privately. What impact does he have on your life, um, you know, even your working life as well? Obviously, family is, a, is an obvious one, but mm. I do see you, com- you know, you're commentating. Um, you both played at the Dons. You know, he's, he's everywhere as well. Uh, he's a very intelligent man. So are you. You know, what's your relationship like with your old boy? Yeah, it's good. I mean, um, father son relationships—they're always sort of funny, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but no, we've we've uh, we share a lot of the same passions, um, and uh, and that's meant that we're able to connect on things. Um, and you know, I've always had him and mum and and you know enormous support from them um, throughout my uh, journey through the AFL and then post-life and parental life. But at the moment now, I'm, I sort of ask the most questions about <laughs> <laughs> being a parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just how life changes for you. You know, you, you, things become more relevant for you. But um, no, I'm very fortunate to have had a, um, a, a really good relationship with them all. Yeah, love it, mate. Love it. Your old boys, uh, I actually, I love these work. The other day I saw a little clip and he was peppering and he was great. It was a bit like your podcast with the boys from Silicon Valley. It was oh, yeah. real questions and he was peppering, I think it's the chairman of Essendon. Dave about, Barham, was it? Yeah, yeah. it was about um, Dodoro and yep. his role because um, he's been the only one that's still there and yep. everyone knows Adrian and um, lovely guy and, yeah, just 
but just I was loving his work. I just yeah. thought he, this is no sugar coating on this. <laughs> it's just direct and he wasn't letting go and I think he did a great job and yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's doing really well. Um, back to leadership, I'm looking down because I don't want to mumble this question. How do you get your mindset right to show up to lead every day and in times where you just don't feel like leading? So days where it's tough, you've been there. How do you get your mindset right because you are the leader and how did you do it? Um, well, it is it is a challenge, but I think that if you always try and take a moment. Say if you were going to the uh, the football club and it, things were difficult or whatever it was or you weren't in a great frame of mind yourself, you know, you, you'd take a – Take a period as I was driving out to the club to to talk myself through what what are the the challenges, what are my own personal challenges, um, what do I need to do, what are the people uh, expecting from me, um, and, and go through that process, um, and also then be able to communicate with people that I um, felt like I was uh, I could view them as a leader. You know, like I had Simon Goodman as a, um, a line coach for me for a period of time. Um, so I would be able to go to Goody and say, like, what do you think here? You know, like you, you, you're, uh, someone who I think is a, is a really great leader. I need some advice. What, what should I do? Neil Craig was there at Essendon for a period of time. He was another person I could go to and say, what would you do here? Um, so I, I don't think you should ever stop um, self-reflecting and and never stop seeking, um, to be better or seeking advice from someone else. You never know, I think the worst thing you can do um, in a position of leadership is feel like you can't continue to learn um, and, and educate. So those are the two things that I would always try to focus on would be to um, and not meditate, but you know just sort of self reflect in a moment of, of quiet, and then also and then um, get yourself in the right mindset to be in, in a position of leadership. And that's why it's it's difficult because it, it doesn't. You're not able to choose when you want to be one. So um, you have to understand that it is um, uncompromising and it's not something that you can switch on and switch off. Um, it's like being a parent. You don't stop being a parent because you, you're you tired. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, time out. Time yeah, out. <laughs> I, I need a rest here. Um, time out. I'm no longer a skipper voice. <laughs> correct. And so that, that's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. And is that, does, that, does that wear you down over time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's exhausting over a period of time. And I think it's, um, you know, I um, stepped away from being the captain um, in my last year as a player. Um, and I think it, it was a good decision to do that. And it, it allows someone else to flourish and still be there as a sort of someone who can guide. But um, it is exhausting. And, and I think that, you know, there's a tendency to probably give um, leadership responsibility to young players who are really great you know, young players and also really you think like they're going to be a really good leader and they are, but I don't know necessarily that um, it's something that should be thrust upon someone who's, you know, under the age of 25. Mm. That would be my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Too much responsibility, do you think? Well, I just don't think your your maturity is right for it. Um, I don't think you need that level. I think you can be cultivated still. So much growing that you're doing between that period of time. And, and even when I got to 30, I was like, oh, God, I – I wish I knew what I know at 30 when I was 25 when I took and, – and I still think that now. And yeah. so you're continually growing. I just don't know that you need to be exposed at that young age. Yeah, well said. Um, what's the most valuable piece of leadership advice that you've received that's impacted your leadership style for the better? Um, 
I, well, I always – you have to be genuine to who you are because everyone sees through that if you're not. Um, so the moment you stop being uh, real with the people you're leading, then you lose them. Um, so that's that would be my advice is you can never never manufacture who you are. And if you're just not a good leader, don't pretend that you are. You know, <laughs> yeah. like you, you know, go and learn how to be a better leader. You don't have to be a great leader. Um, not everyone is, who's a great player is a great leader. Um, so that's that's the thing is just because you, you've got a title doesn't mean you, you're a good leader. Yeah, well said. I think that's a big one, isn't it? I think when people get voted into certain scenarios, when we're talking football clubs, whether it's a leadership group or it's captain, the, we understand that there's more meetings and there's more responsibilities and, you know, you got to maybe report to a few more things. But once you start seeing the shift of – you know, how they act. It does sometimes, you know, the, the group starts to go, fuck, Jesus, yeah. he's taking this a bit too seriously. Like, we didn't vote him in for that. Or, you know, that's what can happen. Or it's like, oh, no, like, he hasn't changed. Like, we love him. It doesn't change at all. Like, he's still the same person, you know. Sometimes their leadership style is actually not speaking much and you just go up to them and tell them how you're feeling in scenarios and they'll feed it in or whatnot. But um, I think that's great, yeah. yeah. There's nothing turns you off more than seeing a bloke that then gets the title and changes. Yeah, I think it's it's also some people just aren't naturally good leaders. You know, like that's – and that's okay. You know, you might be a great player but you're not a great leader um, and, you know, you only discovered that when you were in a position of leadership. Yeah. Um, some people are just naturally great leaders. Um, people gravitate towards them. They want to be around them. Um, they might have other um, flaws in their character but they are – they have something about them that people gravitate towards and want to follow. Um, and I think that the, the, you know, any environment should be able to identify those people. And that's a, that's a key sort of, um, uh, skill set is to be able to identify who is, who is a really good leader and why, what makes them a good leader. And then how can we help them be even better? Speaking of leadership, last question, what are the qualities that you look for in a leader? Not only football, I'm talking life business, you know, you know, now that you're in the, uh, the commentary space as well, like, just as you float through and put your different hats on, you know, you get your wildcat resources hat on, <laughs> give them a plug. Um, but when you put all these different hats on, you know, what are the values that you really now reflect on and go, yeah, that's that's what I like to be surrounded by? Well, I think a great leader, um, they stand in front of everyone when things are bad and they stand behind someone when they when everything's good. So, you know, they've got a level of humility about them. Um, they understand how to get the best out of people. Um, that's that's sort of what I I, I look for is um, they have to be able to perform on the in, in whatever environment they are. They so they have to be an elite performer at what they do, but then they have to be willing and they have to be able to identify and have a lot of um, uh, sort of I guess emotional intelligence to understand how to manage people underneath them. Yeah, I'm actually visualizing it. I love it. I love it. Um, well said. We'll move on. Let's go to commentary. I want to know how you got into it. Well, it was sort of just um, Channel 7 reached out to me um, a couple of years ago just to do a one-off sort of commentating um, for an Essendon game one night. And so I did it. I hadn't really had any involvement back in the game um, and I just enjoyed it. And then they sort of asked again, um, couple of weeks later and, and I did it sort of one-off. Um, and then the end, the, 
as the years sort of went on, uh, they would ask a little bit more frequent. And then they sort of said, look, have you got any interest in it? And I said, well, uh, I, I enjoy the game and commentating. Um, it's the I like because the content is in front of you and you just talk about the content. It's not all-encompassing for me. It doesn't feel like work. Um, and that's been the balance that I've sort of kept with it. Uh, something that is um, – it's challenging. It's like a, it's a – very sort of unique skill that you have to learn and a craft. Um, but I've liked that challenge and I've liked that it's kept me involved in the game, um, but it hasn't felt like work to me. Yeah, that's great. A little bit of passion in there. Yeah. When you say there's a craft to it, what do you, what have you, if you look back at your first, you know, your first day at the office, like, yeah. and then you look back and you laugh <laughs> but to now and you're obviously going to keep, keep, uh, you know, upskilling. What have you, what have you learned about the role? Uh, I think that the, you, you need to be concise um, you need to be authoritative in terms of you, you You can't be sitting on the fence. So it's decision. Yeah, you've got to say what it is that you're seeing. Um, and then the, the really sort of, uh, I guess, intricate part of the skill set is you've got to talk to what the audience is seeing, not what you're seeing. So there's no point saying stuff that the, the audience can't connect with and they, they connect with what they see. So they are seeing something on the screen. If you're talking about something else, it's difficult for them to have that connection or to understand that. So you need to be able to talk to what they're seeing on the screen. Yeah, well said. Because you're, so you're saying with all that footy nouse you've got and you can, might see something developing behind the play, there's no point talking about that because the TV is right on the action. That's what the audience is seeing. So you, you need to talk to what the audience is seeing. Who's been someone that's really helped you in that commentary role? Well, the the guys that I've worked with have been very helpful. Yeah, so I've been able to to work with um, you know uh, Hamish and and Luke Darcy and um, James Brayshaw and, and BT, and then through the special commentaries, it was um, you know Cameron Ling and uh, the Duck uh, a couple of years ago, and 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 now with Daisy. So um, everyone has been very helpful. Dad will send me messages and things like that. Bit about, of feedback. Bit of feedback about what Give you're saying. Give us a quick message of feedback. I love this. Uh, <laughs> no, he just says you're rambling too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, right? It is, yeah, because you, you don't you, you don't think about that all of a sudden because you're trying to do so many thing, different things at a time and you've just got to remember that you've got to be concise. You know? Quick statement, in and out. In and out. Yeah. What about the chemistry in the box? Are you guys like pinching each other behind the scenes and going, I've got one, boys, or is it just you start to build that chemistry no, when you're you calling do, a game? No, you do. You start to build the, the chemistry so you understand when someone's pausing, um, you know, you, you put your hand up if you need to say something, but you need – you also have got to understand that you've got to be out before the play is moving on. Especially if you and the moments of the game. So if the if it's um, perhaps if it's a, you know like there's fifty points in the the games are over, yeah. you can be more you know conversational. And if the game is still playing, you can still talk. But if it's you know three minutes to go and the scores are level, no one wants no one wants to hear more than a, a very quick snippet from you because the game is is what people want to be hear, her, hearing. Yeah, and that's the the role of the commentator to tell that. So um, that those idiosyncrasies of the the commentary, uh, you know, part of the uh, I guess the way in which you've got to do it. Yeah, when you think when you're speaking, I'm picturing it. You know what I mean? You're right. Like no one wants to hear you talking when the game's back in you know back in motion. But a no. stoppage, bang, get in there, a bit of a get ten in, second get chance. Out. Yeah. Um, you just name the people, mate. There's some, you know. I'd imagine there's a few head wobbles or whatever. There's a few <laughs> big alphas there, you know, uh, Daisy's there as well, obviously. But 
the uh, personalities in the in the commentary box. Like, t- obviously, I know BT really well, but talk to me. Like, even the duck. Like, what are all these big weapons like? You know, like, <laughs> is there an alpha in the room? You know, like. Um, well, I think that there. I think ducks probably be. The, he's the biggest <laughs> alpha. Um, which and that's sort of how he you know, ran, um, he, that was his career. Um, but everyone else has been very good to work with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, we have a lot of fun with it. Um, and, uh, these, the, the guys are, are really good. Everyone's been in the AFL system, you know, so they understand that you have to, they understand, you know, um, teams, you know, and that, that you have to work with each other. So they have that, um, that skill set. BT talks about James Brayshaw as being unbelievable and really helping everyone else. How's he been in the in the commentary box? Because he reckons he's got a real art to like just getting the group going. You yeah. Know? No, he's he's very good at it. He's he's um he's great at leading you into things. Um and he's great at giving advice as well. And BT called me a few times as well to say, look, um what you're doing here is really good. You should be focused on this when I was starting out, which is um which was great too. Because it, it's not something that, you know, there's not a lot of people doing it. And the the feedback part of it um, which players are really used to. You're used to getting a lot of feedback. So there's, when when there's none, you, you, there's that uncertainty. Am I doing a good job? Am I not good, doing a good job? What what should I hear? You know what what should I be working on? So it's great to be able to have that um, guidance from people who who are really good at it. Love it, mate. Love it. Yeah. If you, uh, well, I remember um, I share a story with uh, everyone here. The BT invited me to the box. So I think I think Essendon were playing um, Frio. Okay. And it was Hayden Crozier's first game, and I was. I was in there and I was feeding him some dribble. I said, oh, mate, he's cut like he's got the – I don't know, I was feeding BT and he was running with it, right? It was hilarious. And all it all crosses like I think Instagram might have just launched and his phone was blowing up. He's like, this bloke's – he's got a six-pack heart as a rock. He's got a great parmesan cheese on it. That's it. Like all this stupid shit. I think I was feeding him. But then I was in the box and watching him go and he's commentating and I think – I don't know where the game was – um, close. I can't really remember, but um, but then I was just noticing like how it works. You know, they get some stats and they read it out. Like it's a very slick operation up there. It is, yeah. And you got a lot of producers and people in your ears, and you got to go, you know, out of an ad break into an ad break. What what are we doing here? What's the vision saying? Can I cut that piece of vision to show it here? Can we do something like this at halftime? Who do we want to talk about? All those sorts of things. So there's a lot of work that goes into into a production. You get a bit of adrenaline doing it because it do, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly like I. We did the the game, the Swans Collingwood prelim last year up at the SCG, and like that was very very hot, particularly that last quarter. You know when Collingwood were coming, and um, you know like you get excited about it. it it's yeah. um, it's great. It's awesome. What is the aspirations in the space? Last question with commentary. Like, is it a grand final call? Is that the or you just you're doing it for fun? That'll come. Yeah, no, I just enjoy it. Um, I don't. Uh, it doesn't feel like work for me, so I really just enjoy being part of it. Yeah, nice. Love it, mate. Love it. Um. Got some quick fire questions. I asked uh, Joel Salwood yep. this, and I actually enjoyed these, so I've stuck them around. Okay. Um, so these are quick fire. So, you know, your teammates out there that miss out, don't be dirty. They're quick fire, so front of mind. Um, okay. Who's the most talented teammate you've ever seen? Damien Cupido. Oh, yeah. Yep. Toughest teammate? Uh, probably James Hurd. Yes. Tough as well. Yeah. What a star. Smartest teammate? Uh, Dean Rioli. Funniest teammate. Michael Hibbert. Yeah, Hibbo. What a man. What about Kepler Bradley? Yeah, Kepler was mad. Did he come out of, <laughs> because he was very funny at that Frio, but he was a bit older, so maybe he was a bit nah, shy. he was like that from the moment he arrived at Essendon. Our first, uh, first time he came to the club, we went on a, a 
trip to Can River, and he was mad then as a 17-year-old. Mad. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, most underrated teammate? I think Hurl's probably – like, Hurl's was, was rated highly, but he was a real star for a period of time, so probably Michael Hurley. Yeah, a bit of a swing man as well. You could put him anywhere. You could, yeah. Who's the teammate with the best rig you've ever seen? Best rig. Kyle Hooker's probably 6'5 and yeah. big, big man. Yeah, big he's a man. big specimen. Yeah. Big hooksy. Yeah. What about, let's flip it. Who's got the sloppiest rig? he has got the sloppiest. <laughs> <laughs> the pig. He'll hate that, won't he? <laughs> he's a very good man. I love you, Bo. Um, what about teams you struggled playing against the most over your whole career? Who was the team that you go, geez, I really do... Like on reflection, I really struggled to play against them or we struggled to play against them. Probably the Adelaide Crows. Uh, we got fixed up a fair few times over there at um, Football Park, uh, which, you know, like we got like belted us in a, in a final one time. Um, we got one really memorable win, which was the start of the 2013 season over there. Adelaide had come off a prelim final and we played them round one over there at, at, at footy park. Um, but that was really one of the only times we, we fixed them up. There you go. I love how you really remember it. We you all do. do. Savor we all it. do. Um, who's the best player you've ever played against in the midfield? Probably junior, Gary junior. Yep. Yep. If you could recruit one player in the AFL at the moment, let's say you have to bring him to Essendon. Yep. Zach Butters. So you're going to go with a midfielder. Yep. I, I think, <sighs> I know Bont um, has is the is the leader of of the club and and he's been um, an unbelievable sort of captain of the Bulldogs. But I feel like Zach Butters is the best player in the game for me. Is that because you we talk about that you know molding a team for success? You love the way he rolls the sleeves up, gets real dirty, can tackle pressure, but also he's that good with the ball now, kicks goals. Are you, are you saying that he's the player that? you need in that midfield, in, in a team. Yeah, and I just think that he's able to do, like you talked about, he is able to do everything. He, um, He's tough. Uh, he can run. He can spread. But he's he's elevated, I think, his decision-making and what he can do with the ball now um, to a level that is very, very rare that you don't see it all in the in the game. There's only really, really elite players who see the things that he sees. Um, and then because of that, he's able to make the game easier for everyone around him when he has the ball in hand. And that's combining with all the other attributes that he has. So I've seen that elevation in his game, particularly this year, where I see him see things on the ground that are like, oh, there's not many people who see this. Yeah, yeah well said. He's had a great season, hasn't he? He's had, and he's had a great career. He's um, he's very, very tough. Yeah, I think he's an All Australian squad in his first year, something yeah. like that, or his second year. I and mean, he's playing as a half forward, forward, yeah, half forward. forward. Yeah. Now that you've retired, what's the one thing that you miss the most about playing? Uh, the camaraderie. Yeah, the locker room. Yeah. Uh, if you had to pick one of your ex teammates to have a shot after the siren in a grand final, forty meters out on an acute angle. Who's the one player that you're saying, I want you to have this kick? Paddy Ryder. Paddy Ryder was a beautiful, beautiful kick. He, he could almost banana it, wouldn't he? he I've could never do seen it a man banana. Yeah. Check side. Check side banana and yep. snap, you know, from distance. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Paddy. Well done. 
And then your personal favorite Mad Monday outfit or day, I think is sort of question I asked Joel Salad because Geelong, I don't think, I think Geelong do it the best. Yeah, um, they do. Now it's quite private, but I think back in your day, there would have been one or two. So what's your best Mad Monday kit or the best you've seen? Um, the best kit I've seen. I, uh, I, I used to live with Scott Gumbleton for a long <laughs> period of time. And uh, Gumby thrived on the <laughs> Mad Monday. <laughs> I remember coming home one day from a Mad Monday and Gumby was standing in our um, hallway at our house <laughs> in a shopping bag holding a stop sign. And that was <laughs> that was. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know no, Gumby, like, that's not yeah, surprising. No, yeah, no idea. He's just like so quiet during the year and you can just, if you have a little coffee, he's like, just get me to the end of the season. <laughs> oh, what a man. Well, you've, got, you've played with some great blokes. Yeah. I must say, we've been, been lucky, lucky to cross paths with a fair few, some ripping yeah. fellas and we just named a few. Um, we, I'll go to the segment now before we talk a bit of NFL, but Milwaukee Tools, they've uh, they've been massive. I've, as you know, I, I wouldn't be here without them. Um, they're a huge Huge uh, sponsor and support of this show. Now, I told you, you're coming on, you're not coming on here and not going home with something. And this time, we've got the biggest prize we've ever had, which is great timing, Wispy. How do you go in the garden? We've got the brand new lawnmower here, the uh, dual base starter pack as well. Um, how do you go in the, in the garden? Not great. Um, the garden is full of some landmines as well. I've got <laughs> a bulldog and an Australian shepherd, and they. Oh, no. uh, Oh, oh, no. Everywhere, oh. everywhere. So I'm going to have to do some packing up. Um, and, uh, no, it'll be it'll come in very handy. There very you go. Handy. You'll, be, you. you'll be slicing and dicing all kinds <laughs> of things with the lawnmower from Milwaukee Tools. I'll tell you what pisses me off before we get to your handiest moment. When you're, when you're walking down the street, concrete, yeah. and there's just a big uh, landmine, and it's like, I get it, maybe once or twice, your dog, you haven't got a bag or something. <laughs> But when it's like smooshed and then it's all, you know, it's all down and someone stood in it, four bastards stood, it's like, fucking clean it up. I, I honestly hate seeing it. It d- does me head in. I don't yeah. have a dog, so maybe you don't, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I don't understand as much. But yeah. yeah, you're not one of those blokes, are you, that lets your nah. dog just put and a landmine down, do you? When, when you've got little ones in the backyard as well running around, you want to make sure that you, as soon as you see something, you pick it up straight away. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing worse. So product features and benefits here. We've got the optimized steel deck design. Push start and self propulsion. I can't even say it's the capabilities. Reaches full throttle in under a second and comes with an eight amp starter pack to get you started. So our friends here from Milwaukee Tools are, are looking after you here. The lawnmowers, they look fantastic. And I tell you what, they're heavy. Getting them in here was something else. A big shout out to Brado that helped me out getting it in here. Um, Milwaukee Tools, when I think of your handiest moment, um, there's a few to me, but I'm going to ask you before I tell you my one. Um, what is your Milwaukee Tools handiest moment of your career? If you could think of one moment that stands out, what would it be? Uh, the, the handiest um, moment of my career, I think, uh, well, probably getting some feedback from my old man that uh, my career wasn't going in the trajectory that I thought it was <laughs> and it was going out of the system very quickly. That was a very um Give us that very conversation. Handy. Give us that conversation. Well, he just said, you know, like if you don't, uh, you know, you don't have to play footy because, you you know, of mum and mum and I, but what you're doing now is you're uh, you're wasting yourself and you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, if you want to, uh, if you want to take this seriously, uh, I've got someone that you need to go and speak to. And that was the boxing? That was the boxing coach. 
There you go. So that would be your handiest moment. Yeah. Well, well, that uh, that changed the trajectory of where I was heading. <laughs> what about give me a give me give, we're always uh, so critical of um, ourselves, but give me what about on the field? If you think of something that you did that was a highlight, what would be your handiest? We all remember the sausage rolls, mate. Yeah, There's got to be I one. I kicked a goal over um, against Frio at Subiaco one day from the pocket, and uh, I turned to the crowd and just sort of gave them a bit of a wink, which I never really got very involved <laughs> with the crowd, but I'd had some rough air periods with the Western Australian crowd, so I thought, oh, you can take this one, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is very handy. There you go. The Milwaukee Tools handiest moment with Joe Watson. I love the fact it was against Frio. They are. Everyone does say that the Perth crowds are brutal. I think you kind of get, I don't know, playing there it is hostile, but it's no it's so hostile when you go to Essendon or anywhere yeah, else. But a lot of a lot of players do say that it was tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that that particular game, maybe five minutes before Kraus, um, who I was playing on, he kicked a goal off me and, and as a tagger, you know, like he's oh, sort of giving it to me as we're running back. So I didn't say anything after I kicked that one on him. I just sort of smiled and he just laughed. <laughs> yeah, he would have hated it <laughs> yeah. as well. If there's a man that used to squeal and when, when his man got out goal side, <laughs> you could hear him on the field. Well, he probably could hear Ross in his head go <laughs> screaming in the box. Yeah, definitely. Let's get to a bit. NFL before we round out. We love our NFL and uh, we're both heavily involved with our Oz American Aces Fantasy League that you'll see all over our social media this year. Um, we we spoke about it earlier. You love listening to your podcast. I absolutely froth it. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this year? We've only, we're only, you know, as this podcast comes out, it'll be two weeks in, but who are the teams that you think will take it out and just some things that you're really looking forward to watching this year? Uh, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing if Detroit can continue on you know like they they obviously had a really good year last year um there's a big hype around them they've got a really good offensive line good defensive line um can they protect Jared Goff I think that's a good storyline they've been not as overly successful franchise for a long period of time um looking forward to seeing what uh, Philly can do Again, whether they can back up their incredible year last night with that that young defensive line, you know, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, um, really heavy Georgia feel to that defensive line. Um, Dallas looked really impressive against the Giants. I thought one, I mean, one of the great storylines of the year was the Rodgers and Jets. So that was just oh. incredibly deflating Mate, to watch that. How deflated were you? Like, oh, it was sickening watching it, wasn't it? It's still like when I bring it up, I, I get flat. And 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 the um, I mean, they they broke the record. So yeah. I think the record was 2009. They smashed the records of like that first game, 22 million viewers or something. Yep. Uh, and to see him go down without even completing a pass, mate, it was – and not only that, you know when you get injured, like say someone gets injured, you go, you know what, he's going to come he's back. He's going to come back. There's that's a chance right. we still think that – I still think he will, but there's now a chance we might, might not even even see him Yeah, again. even if it was just like a, a, a high ankle sprain and he's out for a month. Like you, you could have moved past that relatively quickly. Um, but – for him to be out for a year and an Achilles and just, you know, with the the hard knocks and you're just so excited oh. about him um, and the Jets, it was just going to be a great storyline, but really unfortunate. Well, you're a leader. You're a strong leader. What do you do if you're the GM of that football club? Because the quarterback has become, they've only got two and yeah. Aaron Rodgers was one. So now they've got to go, they, they need to get someone. Mm. Do you think they need to back in their young stud, Wilson, who they've spent a lot of draft capital? I think he was taken second overall a yeah. couple of years ago with Aaron Rodgers mentoring him and doing a fantastic job as we saw on Hard Knocks, do you think that's the right play or you think you need to bring in someone and if it is someone, who would it be? 
I'd I'd, uh, I'd call Brady and see what he's doing. I think that would happen, but I think Brady has said no. Well, he's got the family stuff yeah. going on. Like I was saying, put yourself in Brady's shoes. What do you think he would say? Well, I think that he would say no. I mean, he he retired um, from all sort of reports was because of the you know family life, and he he wanted his kids. His kids were all at high school now and in Florida, and he needed to be settled there. Um, so you know, like it wasn't the the, the game hadn't gone past him. Uh, it was just that, you know, he had to prioritise something else. Um, this would be burning him, wouldn't it? Because there'd be a, a lot of people in the media like us, just anyone, everyone's saying the only option is Brady because there's no one really else out there. Unless well, there's you- no one as good as Rogers, obviously. Yeah. The, and, and Zach Wilson, I mean, you, 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 you run with him. You hope that the offensive line is better. It's uh, horrendous at the moment. Yeah, though. Beckton looked a bit shaky, and um, you just hope that the the O line can can hold up. They've got a good running game. They've got a good defense. They've got excellent wide receiver. Um, maybe that's enough, but you're not going to get the Jets. I don't think the the Jets aren't going to be the team that they could have been this year with obviously. Um, without Rodgers. I just wanted a game, just one game with Garrett Wilson, Garrett and, Wilson. and Aaron Rodgers. I think you've got Garrett I've in got your Garrett, team. Yeah. Even though he still dominated, I still, you've got to remember, he did put up numbers with Wilson. That's true. Um, so it's not too scary of running out there, but uh, yeah, oh, just shattered. Yeah. It felt, it honestly felt like a death. The it, whole air sounds, went out of the yeah, stadium. It just felt, it's just like we've lost someone because yeah. of the fact that he's 39 and he's only on a two-year contract, I think, yeah. and they've put Pretty much everything around, all the miss, all the pieces are perfect for the you know for them to potentially go on, and then they lose their their number sure. one. It's yeah. uh, it's something else, mate. Um, what about Tony? Like, think about Tony. He's we when he, his first game for the Chiefs, he's a wide receiver, uh, one, and he's dropped five balls and had an absolute stinker. Mm. What do you like? I'm a big believer that he'll come out and play really well uh, the following week in the season to go. But what what do you think um, of that scenario? Yeah, I think. They, they they did talk about he missed a fair bit of the preseason. I think he had knee surgery. So um, the, the the pressure and the, the social media reactions to all these players, whether it's positive or negative, is so um, extreme. I think he deleted his Twitter. Yeah, but um, that is that is the game. That's that's the what they they sign up for. Um, I I really like him as a player, but it just seems like he he hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's that's his problem. Yeah. Um, when he's with the Giants, it was hamstrings, and then it was last year it was hamstrings too, and and then there was a knee complaint. He's obviously got talent, you know, a, a first round pick from the Giants. Mm. Um, so it's just whether or not he can stay healthy. I think um, yeah. Chiefs with. Um, is it, uh, is it is it Clark who re-signed um, signed the one year deal mm, um, last um, week? Jo- is it, uh, Jones, what's his name? Um, no, I don't think. No, it's, Chris Jones. I think, yeah, Chris Jones. So he's Frank back. Clark. He's going to make a big difference. Yeah, Kelsey, whether he comes back this week or not, I mean, he he's going to be um, uh, obviously huge. I think the the AFC is again stacked, 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 really stacked. The NFC feels like I really like the Green Bay Packers. I think that they're. Um, a, a really good side. I expect them to play playoffs, um, but uh, it feels like it's going to be the AFC is going to. There's probably six teams who are loaded in the AFC, mm. and maybe two looking really strong in the NFC so far. It's almost like yeah, the AFC might just bang each other up and then That's get right. to the Super Bowl and they'll be worn out. And yeah. t- you know, you got your San Fran, Dallas, Philly. And they Philly, feel like they're, they're three. three. Yeah. yeah. And maybe like a Smokey, um, the Detroit, Detroit Lions or something. or something like that, yeah. Um, so 
just give me a quick tip on the Super Bowl who you, or, or your ASC NFC. Um, I think Philly from the NFC and the AFC, the Chargers. Like it. Although I, I don't like their coach. Nah, yeah, they need to do something because they keep, I think, what have they, they've spent, I think they've, as we record this podcast after week one, they had scored 90 points in their last three games and they're zero and three zero in those three games. So just got, get your defense right. Yeah. Um, Righto, to close it out, we love the new segment, Rick's on tour. Uh, this is where we've all had a plenty of off-season trips. You've <laughs> mentioned Hibbo and a few boys. I got you the Soho Cherries Wispy. These, uh, these are our number one sellers, and right. I think these are almost sold out again. Um, so I wanted to make sure that you're in the best shades possible. So, mate, there you go. Throw them on as I ask that question. Look and everyone out shot. there, rickseyewear.com.au. Use our discount code ACES if you want to look like Wispy. Uh, spring Carnival around the corner as well, which, oh, is it Ana Visto? I didn't mean to no, bring that up. Yes. You've got to update the listeners because it's the the people's, you know, we, we all we watched her and unfortunately, do you want to just give everyone an update? What happened? Yeah, just, uh, well, she was first up in the Memsey and um, first up is typically her best run and uh, she just wasn't quite there for us. So uh, normally a pretty good t- tell that um, – it's time to uh, start the next journey of her life. So she's off to the uh, paddock to become a mum and uh, she's going to be served by a tornado. Um, so that, that's the end of her uh, running days. Just on that, because there's a lot of punters out there and a lot of horse racing enthusiasts. What, the message, when the message comes through, give us an insight where you were, what happened. Um, well, we sort of knew that if she wasn't going to run, if she didn't run well, then that was probably where it was going to go. So we knew in advance, but like I was, I was on the track. I was in the, in the mounting yard. Like I've never been so excited for, uh, you know, like a, a moment. Then when the gates opened, I saw her running and then I was watching the, the splits and I was like, oh, he's, he's rating her beautifully. Like she's not going too hard here. And at the 600, when he started to go for her and she started to go, and I was like, I got excited. And then when it got to the turn, I was like, oh no, we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. Here. Out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, so it wasn't as heartbreaking as I kind of thought. No. You kind of had a plan going we into that place. We had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. There's, what's, what about, before I get to the Rickson uh, on tour, but what's next? Are you going to go out and get another horse? Well, the syndicate, we're going to decide what we want to do. So it's with Tommy Bell Chambers and Hooksy and myself. So we'd like to keep it going, um, but uh, we'll wait and see and uh, we're going to try and find another one. There'd Very some, lucky that we got a good one. There'd be some funds in that syndicate, I would have thought, to roll it around. There would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I think you've got to go back to the well, don't you? Surely <laughs> get another one. Um, do you get any, do you, do you name the horse as well? No, we didn't get to name we were a minority share so do you want to name like is that something that you want to get to uh it'd be nice um but yeah we're, uh, not really that fast what name would you have if you could well i'm in another one um by alabama express nice um so i'd i put up the nomination calling him um alabama slammer like i, I really like that that's the, and i think a lot of punters like those fun names as yeah. well Alabama slammer. Um, right, I batter Rick's uh, on tour. So every year we don't make finals or we, you know, one day hopefully we win a premiership, but we all know there's an off season. Mm-hmm. And what I want you to tell me is if you had the Rixies on, you're looking for some sun, you got a week, who are the two blokes you're bringing with you? <laughs> on tour in the Ricks. Uh Well, I did a lot of tra- uh, traveling with, um, with, Teddy Richards and David Hill. So uh, we spent it was 
all over the world with those blokes um, and uh, went to St. Petersburg one one time um, in Russia and uh, was there for for Halloween and so we went into a, uh, a, a club over there and it was the most typical um, – like entrance into like a, a Russian gangster club. You walk in, got all these blokes, massive guys in turtlenecks with gold chains on the outside. Wow. And we were just sort of walking in and we just sort of said to ourselves like, let's have fun, <laughs> but let's not stuff around here. This is not the, this is not the place <laughs> yeah. where you want to get into any trouble. Let's just be very quiet and calm and uh, enjoy ourselves. And Hilly's a big boy. He's a big man, yeah. So they would have been, everyone would have been looking like, who's this big gangster? <laughs> Correct, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Rick's on tour in, uh, in Russia yeah. with the boys. Um, fantastic, mate. Well, that's all I've got for you. I uh, I really appreciate your time. I love chatting to you, mate. I'll get you back on every week if you're available. But um, yeah, I just uh, appreciate your time. And um, to everyone out there that tunes in every week, really appreciate you. And uh, we love your support. We love your messages. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, let me know. Comment. We always pass it on to our guests. Um, but yeah, hit the subscribe button. Hit like. Continue to share our uh, Oz American Aces podcast and our stories. We're doing some cool things and you know, there's more things to come uh, as we build. And yeah, we're starting to get to the real business end now. Uh, AFL grand final around the corner as well. Will you be calling any of those games, Wispy? Uh, I've got the um, Giants and Port on Saturday. Uh, Saturday yep. um, over at Adelaide Oval and then not sure what the uh, schedule looks like. Yeah, well, all the best with that. Hope you Thank get you. a call um, in the big one. And yeah, once again, thanks so much for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Tommy. One more time because I really mean it. I just want to say a massive thank you for all the support you continue to give us at the Oz American Aces. If you want to further support us, make sure you like and subscribe, hit the follow button so you can keep up to date with all our exciting shows and announcements. Righto, now it's time to give our sponsors a massive plug. Lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but i got to offer you the discount again in case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock. We have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's ACES. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code ACES and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out.